So all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Defense Podcast, episode 15. We back down here, man, each and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, you name it, we doing it. Uh, we like, appreciate everybody's support. Uh, if you're on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe as always. Give me those views, give me those listens. I appreciate everybody coming through and checking me out. Checking out this stream has been good. It's been great. We're doing 15 episodes so far, man. We keep on keep rocking and rolling. Just the beginning. Oh, man, we got a lot of things to talk about today, bro. Oh, man, we got a lot of things to talk about. Oh, man, it's been big news. Big news this week. A lot of NBA news, some NFL news. We got a lot of things to talk about today. We're going to have heavy, going hard and heavy going in the paint and, uh, with the NBA. We got a lot of things to talk about uh, the draft or the NBA restart. Uh, the schedule is pending. Um, what a lot of teams are trying to do as far as playing these games early and often when camp's going to start. And most importantly, most importantly, the trades, uh, free agency moves, um, some injuries. I mean, a lot of things going on, man. A lot of things going on. So we're going to get into it, man. We're going to talk about the NFL as well. We're going to talk about the Saints um, to make a surprise move with Taysom Hill starting this week. Uh, Drew Brees updated injury. Um, what, mean, what it means with Jameis Winston. We've got some injuries going on. Uh, Joe Burrow went down this week. Uh, Tua was benched. We're going to talk about a whole lot of things. And we're going to talk about, how, again, how COVID is affecting the NFL and are we going to be able to sustain this the last uh, back half of the season. And then we'll get into uh, teams to watch out for as well. we got another team that we want to preview this week that's going to look like a contender right now. They definitely turned the tide on me. I thought they were floundering, but they're resurgent now. So we're going to talk about them. We're going to bring back uh, Lakers locker room this week. We're going to talk about the Lakers. We're going to talk about how free agency went for the Lakers and what we can look forward to coming up to this next season. We're going to preview Charter's Corner as well. We're going to talk about this week's win against the Jets. We're going to talk about a few things interworking and how we feel about the coaching staff and what we need for the offseason. And then we'll preview the Bills game coming up next week. And then we'll end up with the fourth quarter closeout. We'll give out awards for uh, lockout, lockdown defending of the week, breakout player of the week, and uh, big dummy week. So stay tuned for that. So let's get into who's the news. Let's do it, man. Let's get it. So let's talk who's in the news. Oh, man, we got a lot of things to talk about today. NBA is giving us a lot of news this week, along with the NFL. It's normal. Normal news for NFL week, but we got a lot of things going on for the NBA cycle that's coming up. Draft happened this week. Uh, free agency happened hot and heavy this week. Got a lot of changes and rearranging going around here. A lot of things people didn't expect to happen happened, so we're going to get into it, man. We're going to get into it hot and heavy. Uh, so let's start with the NBA. Then we'll finish up with the NFL. Uh, so, of course, you know, everybody knows that the NBA restart is set for the December 22nd. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I still feel like that's still a rush move. I mean, it's it's definitely a money move for, over everything, you know, millions of dollars and, you know, quote unquote, you know, want to have it done before the NBA, before the Olympics happen. The NBA season want to be over by the time the Olympics happen. I get that. But I still don't think the Olympics are going to happen, honestly. It's, it's I mean, I, and, I'll, and I'll report on this now. It. You should feel like the Olympics are not going to happen if Toronto can't even play in their home arena. Like this, the 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 Republic of Canada, if I'm saying that right, I think it's the Republic of Canada. But regardless, the Canadian government does not want the Raptors back in the country right now to play NBA basketball games. So that should tell you right there. I mean, if nothing else, why would the you know and you know we're a large contingency of the Olympics. If, if the Canadian country don't want you back in this, the country right now to play basketball, what do you think other countries going to feel like about having us over there when our, our numbers are go, growing out of control? And I don't see it ending no time soon. So the whole rush job of the NBA is futile. I mean, it, it just really drills back to the point about it just being about money. 
you know, and, and this country has a very long and tiresome history of choosing money over people. And that's what really we're doing right now. And I'm also wondering what they're going to do about the idea of how they're going to play these games. You know, I mean, because if you go back to the, you know, arena style playing where you everybody plays their own arena for their home games, you know, you're basically no better than the NFL. You know, and then they, and they may try to start trickling fans in, you know, later on. Is that what we're going to do? Because, I mean, I really don't see any other thing out there. You know, I, I don't see the premise of bubbling the whole entire league, you know, like we did for the playoffs. So, I mean, what's the, going to be the plan? I'm really curious about that. And it, it's, they're taking their time, you know, and it, it makes me feel like the NFL because the NFL took their time. And what bothered me about the NFL is they had a whole lot longer to figure it out than the NBA did. And they came up with a terrible plan and it's affecting over half the teams, you know, with COVID cases, you know, and this, like I said, this stuff is spiraling out of control again. And we still hadn't got a handle on it. So you want to rush the NBA back, you know, especially with teams that went deep into the playoffs like the Heat and the Lakers. So they're adversely affected by this by a quick turnaround, you know, so, you know, so I'm, I'm all for it, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, I didn't get my opinion on how low management works in the past, but I mean, for this particular situation, this scenario, I don't mind teams that went deep into the playoffs and went in bubble for a long time, low manage, you know, because it's, it's crazy to think that you should be able to be rushed back that fast and not run into rash injuries. You know, it's the same premise to me as the, as the NFL when they didn't have any training camp for real and they didn't have any preseason games. You know, you now get your body back into that mode of being, you know, in that daily grind, you know, so that that's a problem. It started start this problem, and it's all about money. And <clears throat> when you choose money over people, you always ended up screwing yourself. So I, 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 I hate to see it, you know, but I feel like, you know, we're going to run into rash injuries, you know, in the early to middle part of the season with people being rushed back if they don't sit out the games. On top of the fact that, you know, you know what's going what's to become of this um, rampant COVID outbreak? I mean, what's going to become of it? I mean, we're going to have people out. You know, and all these people in close quarters, if somebody comes down with it, how are you going to handle shutting things down? You're going to cancel games because of it? I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, you talk about they, these these games are played like every other night. It's more, when the season's going high and heavy, it's, it's typically a game every night. You know, so you mean to tell me that, you know, you're going to be shutting down games, you know, two, three times a week, you know, because people are having COVID cases in their organization and you have to shut down, you know, the, the office and people can't practice and this and the third. It's going to lead to issues. Don't need issues, man. I just, I'm just very curious. I mean, I, I give the NBA more credit than I do the NFL, but if they're giving me an NFL vibe right now with this rush back. So we'll see how it shakes out, but I don't like it. I really don't like it. And I think it's going to lead to issues, but um, you know, and I just, I, I just don't want to see people come down with this thing. Cause it's, I mean, yes, athletes are in much better shape than people that have pre-existing conditions, but that still doesn't mean that this thing won't have adverse effect to you later on in your life. You know, it could, do a lot of things for people that come down with it and you risk yourself coming down with it because of, you know, playing a, a game, you know, it's rough, rough decision to make. But I mean, but you know, that, that game feeds your family. So what can you say? I mean, I mean, I just like me and my job, I don't, I don't want to go work with my job and be in an office full of people, but I got to choose that and, and try to keep myself as safe as possible in, a, in that environment, even though I don't like it because I got to earn a living. You know, and I got to choose that in the survival and the money and bringing money into my household and survival of my family over my overall health. You know, it's rough. It's rough decisions to make, man. It's rough decisions. But we're not going to believe at that point too long, man. I just wanted to point that out that the NBA is really, you know, tripping. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? For lack of a better term. They're really tripping with bringing this back so fast. I mean, I would have had a half a season at most. I mean, I'd have cut it down to, because I, th- I still think 82 games are too much, regardless. I think 82 games of basketball is too much. I don't care if you're a professional athlete or not. It's too much. It's too much, especially when you play 30-some games in high school and college, you know, give or take. Um, you know, depending on whether or not you go to a tournament and things of that nature, but and then you over you more than almost triple it by playing in the NBA or eighty two games. That's a, that's a lot. I would you, I would cut it down. I would, I'd have did like forty to fifty. I'd have did like fifty games, fifty game season, and and just did it that way and just went about the playoffs the right way and going back into the bubble and do it that way and then would have been fine. But you know, again, I'm just a podcaster. I don't work for the NBA, so. You know, they're going to do what they're going to do. But I just hope they stay safe with the players, man, the best they can. So let's talk about the rumors that was going on in the trade world. Um, <laughs> we talked about uh, Russell uh, Westbrook wanting out last week. Of course, then James Harden flips some script and see he went out as well. So they just want to blow up the whole Rockets team, basically. You know, it's almost like, you know, I did hear a rumor. I did hear a rumor. I will say this before I get into the coach, is that I will say that they um, are fumbling around with the idea that they don't like the fact that the owner of the Rockets supports the former president. I'm calling for a president because he's on his way out. So, uh, you know, so they just pop smoke and just want to jump ship because they don't fool with that ideology, you know. But as I'm sure there's a few others out there. It's not just him. You know, most I'm sure there are quite a few closet owners in NBA that support that type of rhetoric. So, I mean, is that a case? Is that not? I mean, you could blame it on this. Let's say, you know, we got rid of when that, well, they totally decided to step down. We're not going to say they fired him, but, you know, the writing was kind of on the wall. But uh, bringing in Steve Silas, are they, are they not cool with their hiring? So they want out now, you know, or they just feel like they, their situation is not working. They they don't like the roster. They want to go somewhere different. Now, a Russell Westbrook situation is a little bit different because the way they want to send him, you know, <laughs> you know, it's not a contender. You know, unless they sent him to the Clippers, which would have been a disaster. But, you know, James Harden made it clear that he wants to go to the seven sixes of the Nets. You want to play for Doc or he want to go with go join up with KD and Kyrie. Now, the seven sixes thing makes more sense. You know, I think I talked about that, about him pe- teaming up with Embiid because they will have to get rid of Ben Simmons. They're going to have to take Ben Simmons and some, and some draft picks off the seven sixes to get Harden. It's going to have to happen. But him, him teaming up with Embiid is not a bad situation. However, him going to the Nets, though, bad luck. It didn't work. It didn't work in the past. It didn't work the first time. I mean, let's be real. I mean, you were you teamed up with, with Russell Westbrook. That didn't work, obviously. The second time, I mean, then you going to team up with KD again when you have two ball dominant guards in the same lineup, and you know then that's not going to come up off Kyrie to trade for Harden. So you talking about all three of them being in the same line at the same time? It ain't no basketball go around, bro. It's not. It's not. And people want to say maybe they can make it work if somebody checks the ego and then be the third wheel, but. Them jokers ain't gonna be the third wheel. Let's be real. Kyrie's never wanted to be the third wheel. That's why he's on his third team. So KD, KD is just, look, I'm like the second best player in the world. Yeah, I'm not gonna take a back seat. So that leaves James Harden. And then James Harden is never hell, I think he went to the Houston Rockets just to be the man and be the person that's the focal point. So you didn't tell me that, you know, when you set in your ways so much in that regard, you think they're gonna change for the sake of winning? I don't think so. But uh, you know, strange things happen. But I don't think it's gonna work. So I, I, I got this. Is what I have happening, honestly. And I'll talk about John Wall in a minute. What I, I think will happen is they're gonna start the season with Russell and James in Houston and force try to make force feed them, make it work enough, you know, to um, compete, you know. And then if it gets to the trade deadline, close to the All Star break, quote unquote, 
and it don't work and they just it's a toxic environment they gotta separate them you know then they might make a move and they're gonna get less value for them than they could get now but i think they're gonna start the season with each other i think it is gonna be happen i don't and you know it isn't it, i didn't get the vibe that they had beef but you know i mean something's wrong you know because if it ain't the owner it ain't the coach it's got to be the camaraderie between the two and you know I, I didn't get that but yet again i mean you're looking at it from a I guess you can say microscope that Russell is never been good. He's, he's, he's a hyper athletic guard, you know, and that's going to start waning as he gets older and he's not getting any younger. And James Harden is a ball dominant, you know, slashing three point shooting point guard. So y'all work better apart than y'all do together. That's just it. You know, cause I mean, you, what can, what can James Harden in, in the way he wants to run offense in Houston, what can he use? How can he really utilize Russ? Unless they are not on the floor at the same time, primarily, then that's different. And if you let them kind of, kind of split minutes and kind of have Russell bring that second wave on in the second quarter and the fourth quarter, you know, in the start, then you know, keep your offense going. That might work better. But overall, it's just not working, and I don't think it's going to work. But you know, I, I'm curious to see what Houston's going to do. You know, I think they're going to try to hold um, firm and try to get as much as they can. You know, because they're two dominant players. I mean, let's be real. But you know. That that uh dynamic is gonna be interesting, you know. And at least to John Wall, you know, John Wall didn't like the fact that uh he was uh in trade talks with swapping him and Russell because him and Russell's contracts part the same, so it's like almost like an even swap. So he didn't like that fact, so he decided he, he didn't want to be in Washington anymore either. So that's a simple, you know, flip flop. Let's send John Wall to play with James Harden and send Russell to Washington where he can be the man. You know, simple. You know, if y'all both unhappy, you know, I mean, I think it could still happen. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen right at this moment, but it could happen. You know, once they realize, once they get in the camp, I think it, it, it might just, it might take camp. You only got to start the season. It might be the fact that they get in the camp and they start jawing at each other or they started not gelling well, you know, and especially not, and, you know, even to the point where they're disrespecting the coach. You're like, you know, they disregarding him and things of that nature. And I'm like, all right, well, Russell got to go. You know, call, call Washington, get him on the phone, tell him to send John Wall over here and we'll figure this out. You know, but I don't know. But yeah, I mean, something something's gonna have to change in order for this to make a move. But you know, as it stands right now, I think they all start at least start camp with Wall being in with the Wizards and and Harden and uh, Russell being with the uh, Rockets. So we'll see. Uh, so uh, let's get to these free agency man uh, moves, boy. I tell you, uh, I'm trying to curb my enthusiasm. You know, shouts out to Larry David. You know, uh, <laughs> you know because. Uh, Ooh, the Lakers made some big money moves, and I got to give all credit to Rob Palenka. And I was curious, and I was skeptical about Rob Palenka about being a free, about being a front office person, you know, because he's always been an agent, you know. So I was kind of like, you know, and I was worried too. It's, it's not even the sake of he's not a good businessman. It's a, one of those things where he gave organizations such a hard time with his clients, especially Kobe, you know, in certain regards. So he may have a give owners a bad vibe, you know? I mean, cause I mean, you know, sometimes owners don't like to deal with agents because they try to milk them for every dollar they can for their players, well, which they should, that's their job, you know? But regardless, you know, I was like, are y'all gonna really want to work with Rob is, you know, because, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to. I mean, people kind of push the envelope a little bit when it comes down to, uh, people want it out like when when Wessel Westbrook and all them guys say they want out and they're just not happy and then you realize you got to get something for me because you're just not going to be happy I mean everybody learned the hard way about that AD situation when AD said he wanted out and he 
you know, was unhappy, he made it known. It wasn't a secret, you know, so they had to do something. They got great value for him. Don't get it twisted. They got great value for him, but they, everybody learned that harsh lesson that they're unhappy. Do it now and, and not make it a spectacle because the longer you make it a spectacle, the worse off you're going to be, you know? So you know, everybody's saying they want out, you know, this and the third, you know, it's, it's quite, it's, it's quietly becoming a thing. So, you know, so I guess that that particular ideology is helping Rob. So, you know, and mainly his every move except the Dennis Schroeder move was a, was a, was a phrase move for the most part. But, you know, he's definitely working his magic and working his money because he was able to uh, not only sign uh, <laughs> or tr let's say trade. He was able to trade for Dennis Schroeder and, and uh, Danny Green was sent away with a first round pick to uh, OKC. But uh, he also got Wesley Matthews in free agency. Uh, Wesley Matthews comes over, you know, wing, you know, good wing defender, you know, decent shot, you know, he has a decent shot from the outside, um, you know, so I guess he'll, um, you know, kind of bracing for that Avery Bradley may or may not come back. So they were trying to get somebody to replace him. Um, now, the Avery Bradley thing kind of hurt my heart because that, that's the one person I really wanted to come back and it was going to help, was going to really strengthen our defense and our three-point shooting. But, you know, he decided to go to the Heat. Uh, but, you know, and I'll talk more about this in Lego Locker Room. I'm not going to belabor it. So we got we got Wesley. We got uh, – we re-signed KCP. We got Montres Harold in uh, in free agency as well. He came over from Clippers. It was a very shocking move. I didn't see that coming at all. I didn't see that coming at all. Um, but I was actually anticipating getting, maybe getting Serge Ibaka before him. And Serge Ibaka ended up going to the Clippers after Montreal signed with the uh, Lakers, which um, reunited him with, uh, with Kawhi Leonard. So that's a decent move. Um, CB3, they found out the trade for him to be traded to the Suns, and Jay Crowder signed with the Suns as well. So you got Jay Crowder, CB3, and Devin Booker all in Phoenix now. I think Phoenix is a sleepy, good team right now. I really, I really appreciate CB3's leadership. And I think that he's going to galvanize them troops and get them boys to the next level. You know, I think that's really good for them. I mean, personally, I would love to have CB3 and it'd be a purple or gold, which it still hadn't happened. It's, we've had, we tried, we failed. But, you know, I think he's a great leader. You know, I like he did wonders for the OKC team. And I think he did wonders for Dennis Schroeder um, as a point guard as well. So I, I really like that move for them and really will aid Devin Booker to get into that next level, man. I think he's going to be a good all-star this year. So like I said, Avery Bradley went to the Heat. He he was signed a free agency deal to go over to the Heat to run a roast for the Eastern Conference. Uh, Rajon Rondo left the Lakers as well. He went to the Hawks. Um, Shouts out to him. Appreciate everything he's done for the Lakers. Uh, Dwight Howard went over to the 76ers. He left the Lakers as well. He went over to the 76ers and joined up with Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid. Tristan Thompson left the Cavs and got out of that situation, and he's now a Celtic, um, which uh, was prompted too in part by uh, Jason Tatum uh, talks about getting an extension and then Gordon Hayward opting out. Or Gordon Hayward opted out of his player option about $35 million, I want to say, and signed a long-term deal with the Hornets, who had just drafted uh, LaMelo Ball. So that's going to be interesting. That I mean, you got LaMelo being a point guard and Gordon Hayward being the off guard. So that'd be a decent, decent backcourt. Now, I'm still thinking they got a lot of ways to go, bro, because I think they, you know, as great as the player MJ was, he has issues with team building. <laughs> he really does. And, you know, it's one of those things, too. I mean, it could be a long, drawn-out segment to talk about maybe in the future, but do people want to play with MJ because they don't like the fact that they have to live under that shadow? You know, doing, I mean, Kimba got out of there because he maybe he didn't want to, they one, they weren't going anywhere. Two, 
you know, he just a, just a mystique of working or playing under, you know, the quote unquote greatest of all time. You know, does that put a undue pressure on people? You know, is that why people don't want to play for him? Because, I mean, even when he was with the Wizards, I mean, his team building was in his drafting was terrible, you know, and I don't, I don't know. And you see, nobody wants to stick there as far as a superstar concerned. I mean, Gordon Hayward's a good player, but he's not, he's not Jason Tatum. You know, he's not, you know, even, he's not even, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not even Kimber Walker. Let's say, let's be real. He's not even Kimber Walker's talent level. So, you know, it'd be an interesting pairing. I mean, I think their backcourt would be pretty decent, but uh, I think they got ways to go as far as building that roster and being competitive. So I was in, the, in Toronto news, uh, Fred Van Fleet resigned with the Raptors, which is a good move for them. And like I said, Jason Tatum signed a massive extension. I want to say $135 million this week to stay with the, uh, stay with the Celtics. So that's a good look for them. Um, I wonder how the team is going to shake out. I mean, you still got Kemba, you still got Jason, you know, you, now you have Tristan Thompson as well, who's a great uh, defender. You know, I think that might go back and fill that, uh, was a Horford role that he was when he was there, you know, in the past. But, you know, I think that's a good move for them, you know, from a defense perspective. You know, I think them, you know, having Tristan was would definitely aid in their, uh, I guess, paint defense and rebounding. So this would be a good, good look. I mean, I'm really excited about how these rosters are going to shake out. Um, it's looking good, man. It's definitely looking good. It's, they, you know, they turn things around pretty quick. You know, um, the draft was a demental middle draft. Let's just be real. You know, I do like to pick um, Wiseman for the for the uh, for the Warriors, but um, it's rough to, to talk about that because I mean they lost Clay Thompson this week. You know, and I think that's so tragic, man. Um, I really like Clay Thompson as a player. I really think he's a great basketball player. Great, you know, great guy, great character guy. You know, I really like his game. You know, he's a good two-way player, great two-way player. Um, you know, and he just, I really feel like he was just an overcompensation injury. He was practicing with some other NBA players and went down with a, with a torn Achilles, you know, on the off leg. Um, and that happens a lot. You know, when you injure one leg and you start to go get back and rehabbing and start playing again, you know, you're just so comfortable with overcompensating with your strong leg that you, re, you injure your strong leg. You know, and that's what he did. And that's, that really sucks for him, man, because, you know, he's just coming off ACL injury, trying to get back, took off the whole year last year, trying to get back and uh, work his way back in and being himself. And, you know, he's going to have to sit out a whole another year, man. This is rough. This is rough. And I really was looking forward to the Warriors come back in and competing with the, with the original, you know, big, you know, I'm going to call it big three, but, you know, the, 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 you know, the Smash Brothers and, you know, and Draymond and they got Wiseman now. There's going to be their paint guy. You know, so I was hoping that they were going to, re, you know, get back to, you know, winning basketball. But, you know, with Clay being out, I don't know. I don't know. honestly don't know. I mean, they got Andrew Wiggins. But, again, Andrew Wiggins really hadn't panned out the way people thought he might. So who's to say how he's going to be with, you know, him and, him and Steph playing off each other? You know, how they're going to work Wiseman in. So we'll see, man. But like I said, overall, the draft was developmental. You know, I think these picks will be – players that are going to try to bring them on slow and and work them into the system, get them acclimated to the NBA game, you know, build them up, train them. And in two or three years, I think a lot of these cats that win in the first maybe, you know, eight to ten picks will be will pretty be pretty good stars. You know, I'm, I'm still – my jury's still out on the mellow ball, to be honest with you. You know, I think Wiseman's a solid pick, you know. Um, but those are the two main guys that, that I feel like were, you know, really solid, you know, picks for teams and, you know, from a – I guess you can say I test, you know, so we'll see. I mean, like I said, I think James Wiseman would be a good pick, but I think LaMelo, it just depends. I mean, you know, he has, you know, he has flashes, you know, but I think that he has to get under some good leadership and being, maybe being under NJ would be a good thing. Maybe. 
So maybe they'll have some good talks and he'll be able to mold him into being a good NBA player. And I'm, I'm actually excited to see, you know, if he mentors him properly and he listens, well, how, well, how good can he be? So then we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out, man. But yeah, man, the NBA is, is going, man, hot and heavy, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But I'm looking forward more so to hear about how they're going to handle playing. I'm really curious about that. And I'm, I can't wait for that news to break so I can report on that and I can talk about that. So we'll wait on that. We'll definitely wait on that. But um, let's move on to the NFL. It's a lot to talk about there as well. Um, start off by some uh, interesting news. I mean, I, I I frowned my face up when I heard this, you know, but <laughs> they decided, you know, because everybody knows at this point Drew Brees is hurt, you know, and uh, they decided to start Taysom Hill over James Winston. Now, let's just be real here. Let's just talk football. You know, James Winston is a way better starter uh, and way better quarterback than Taysom Hill is. Point blank period. You know, um, so it was very curious why they decided to go with Taysom. I mean, I understand Taysom's like an X factor. He's he didn't do anything. He's not the best thrower of the football, you know. Um, you know, now granted the Saints never throw the ball down the field. You know, you don't get those 15, 20 yard, you know, in routes and out routes and posts and things of that nature and and you no know, deep nine routes thrown from the Saints anyway. But you but the Taysom Hill pick, I mean, I understand he's been there longer. He's been on the champagne system longer. He knows the offense better, quote unquote. You know, but it just, to me, James is a better quarterback. So it really made me scratch my head why they did it. Now, looking at the game, I mean, it was sloppy. It was honestly sloppy. And I said several times to myself, why is James not in this game? You know, and I granted, hell, the Saints have a pretty soft schedule, you know, down on the stretch. But let's look at, let's look at it like this. What who's gonna give you a better shot to go further? Jameis or Taysom? Because I mean, when if you have a good team, especially a defensive team, I mean, all around, let's just talk about the Bucks, for instance, or Seattle. You know, a team that's pretty good, you know, offensively in Seattle's case, you know. Um, and defensively they're really good. And on both sides of the ball, they're actually pretty good in the Bucks team. When you play teams like that, you know, you need somebody that can really play quarterback, you know. You know, and Taysom Hill is just like he's just all around guy. Like he can run, he can do, you know, he can, you know, he can, you know, he can do uh design runs, you know, he can throw the ball, he can roll out, you know, things like that. He he's a very good athlete. But you gotta be more than an athlete to be a quarterback. Everybody knows this. So I'm very very curious what Sean Payton's ideology is on this. I mean, I understand that you're paying this man a lot of money, you know, to be an, an all purpose player. You know, I mean, people were fighting over the idea that he was a tight end, listed as a tight end in fantasy when the people picked him up so that he could have technically two quarterbacks in the line over this week. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm still scratching my head. And I think that I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do next week, you know, because to my estimation, that Drew Brees is going to be out indefinitely. You know, he has several cracked ribs. They found several cracked ribs in the beginning, and they found more this week. You know, and on top of the fact, he had a collapsed lung. You know, so those cracked ribs, in large part, we're looking at like 11 or so or more cracked ribs. So to me, I don't think he's coming back. Honestly, you know, I don't think it's what happened. You know, I mean, yes, you got, you know, what, five five weeks at least. Um, if they get the number of seeds, you know, surprisingly, they, you know, they could have an extra week. But I don't think, you know, six weeks, is six weeks enough for him to be, especially being out of playing football altogether. And coming back and having to play a meaningful game in the playoffs because I, I guarantee he's out for the whole season. So the best you can hold is the playoffs. 
you know, I don't know. I think Jameis gives you a better chance, you know, in my opinion. I think Drew Brees is going to be out indefinitely. So I think there's a problem for the Saints, you know. I, you know, can they get this? Their defense is playing great. I mean, I think they're they're even eclipsing the, from my eyes, they're even eclipsing the Bucks in playing defense. They are really getting after people defensively. They really are. Even with Marshawn Lattimore not even playing, they were getting after people. So I think their defense will hold them down, you know, but I really think Jameis gives them a better shot. And I really wanted to see him get some film out there just to see, let people know that he can, he can still be a star in this league. You know, because people look overshadow the fact that he had eye surgery, and I think that was part of his problem when his mistakes he made, and he wasn't seeing things clearly. So with his vision being better, you know, I mean, you know, Sean might see things in practice that we don't. I get it, you know, but I just think from a from a outside looking in respect, I think Jameis should be the one. You should you still use the taste in his role, you know, let him come in and out and 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 give you that X factor ability. But I think that you should definitely have James on the center. That's just it, but. We'll see. I mean, it might again, and I, I fear for them because it might not matter to, to this point. Because once he, once they get to the point where they start playing, you know, lesser teams, and which just seem like it's going to be for the next few games, you know, they might rest in the restaurant, lock up the one seed anyway. So they were like, "Well, I guess this plan is working." But you're just, you're just a beneficiary of a bad schedule, or a soft schedule. Let's call it that. So you still got to play Seattle. You still got to play the Tampa Bay. You know, you still got to play Pagas. You know, teams of that nature. So, I don't know. I think that I think the Saints might be doomed. But you know, but that, I, I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it. But and again, you paying this man upwards of sixteen million dollars between his next year, this year, and next year. I get it. But I think James should be starting. That's just my personal opinion. I think Drew Brees is done. So, you know, moving on to some brace, basic news. I'm calling it basic news. I mean, they the Titans this week had to put Javion Clowney on the IR with a knee issue. And I'm I'm curious about him, man, because he still have not, you know, him and Yannick Ngakwe have not got that payday. They both, you know, and certain rights and certain time frames have been elite edge guys, elite edge guys, you know, and they both been passed around, <laughs> you know, they've been both passed around like a, like a peace pipe, you know, and you know he left he left the Texans and he went to Seattle for a year. Seattle didn't. Either didn't want to, would have had, didn't have the money that he wanted, so he left there and sat in free agency for God knows how long, and ended up with the Titans on a one-year deal. Now he's out, hadn't been really productive this year with the Titans, and then now he's out for a year, pretty much. Um, I don't know. I don't think he's ever gonna get paid. You know, I think Yannick has a better chance of getting paid than than Jadavion Clowney does at this point because you haven't been productive when you needed to be, and you're now you're hurt. And there was injury issues with you in the beginning of your career. So I don't think Jamie Alclam is going to get paid, in my personal opinion. But I could be wrong. You know, unless somebody is desperate out there that really needs a guy of his caliber, once he comes back from his knee issue, I don't see him getting a real big payday. It might be a moderate payday, but not a big one. Now, another in related news to, to IR designations, Joe Mixon got hit with the IR designation this week, which hurt the Bengals. And and I have to say this now. I, I'm not even going to wait. I was going to wait to talk about Joe Burrows, but I'm going to talk about it now. The, Joe Mixon being hurt was yet another issue ever, that caused Joe Burrow to get hurt today. Now, Joe Burrow likely tore his ACL. Uh, and he's out for the season. He already tweeted the fact that he's out for the season. He'll see you next, he sees next year. Now, I talked about this before, and I'm going to talk about it again. 
about the fact that bad teams, and I'll talk about this at length in previous podcasts. Go back and listen to it if you feel this need. I'll talk about this at length. But bad teams, badly, poorly organized teams, I'm going to call it that, poorly organized teams, poorly organized front office teams have historically ruined good quarterbacks. Good players in, in general, but especially quarterbacks. Because Joe Burrow was thrust into a situation where you knew, you knew that he was going to be the starter. You also knew that your line was horrid. Like you knew that. Now, in what world does a, does the confidence of a young quarterback not get threatened if he's running for his life the entire year? The entire year. And then on top of the fact that you didn't have a solid running game to alleviate the pressure. Now, when Joe Burrow had his most successes, when Joe Mixon was in the lineup and they could run the ball effectively. He's been out the last several weeks, you know, and they didn't run the ball well in the beginning of the season. And Joe Burrow's got hit a lot. It hit a lot. So he got hit a lot. I was concerned about his overall health and just his normal, his longevity from that standpoint. You know, and I'm like, y'all didn't think to, you know, solicit any type of better O-line help than what you had when you drafted this kid. Like you knew, like first of all, you had a number of all picks. You knew what you were doing and you were not going to come. You're not going to move off that spot. Everybody knew this. Everybody knew that you were not going to move off this spot. So you knew you were going to draft Joe Burrow. So you let free agency come and go. You let, you know, people get waived and traded and all that stuff and stuff. You let all that come and go. You didn't solidify your O-line to protect this kid. And now he's down with ACL. So you got one career-threatening injury already on his body in his first season. <laughs> you know, and, and and the people criticized Eli Manning, right? And then it had the same. It had to do with my organization. You know, the team I support, quote unquote. You know, um, it had some it had everything to do with the Chargers. But I harken back to that situation when Joe, when Eli Manning basically flat out said that I'm not playing for the Chargers. He just flat out said it. You know, and everybody, you know, kind of looked at him as being elitist and being snobby and all this type of stuff. But, I mean, it worked out for him. We got two Super Bowls, you know. So, I, I, I now have acquiesced to the point that I, I'm okay with with people doing that. And they decided they want to basically dictate their own career because it shouldn't be this way. And, and I look at Trevor Lawrence. I look at Trevor Lawrence coming up in the draft because we all know in case of pointing to how how easily the Jets gave in to the Chargers when they could have won that game today, but they are hard pressed to get that number one number one overall pick. Hard pressed, you know. I wouldn't even surprise if the owner is secretly handing out bags of money just to tell you know people no no don't make this play don't take take this play off. Make sure that they score here. Make sure you just make sure the game goes to the point where we lose every game and we're always sixteen. Because that's where they had it. I mean, their, their, big, their best shot to win a game was today, and they didn't take it. They didn't take advantage of it. So they, they, they tried. I mean, they tried to, and it's funny because it's almost like you, it's scripted. You're trying to make it look good, but it really is bad. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're losing every game. You're going hard at the Trevor Lawrence because you just automatically assume that he's going to be in a draft this year. But if I was him, because outside of Makai Beckner, who I just saw got totally destroyed today by Denzel Perryman. It was bad. Denzel Perry was a 5'11", 235-pound linebacker. Destroyed a 365-pound lineman today. So, with that being said, 
Yeah, O line is atrocious, and you're gonna you're gonna thrust. Because let's be real, that's exactly what they're doing. They're protecting Sam Darnold so they can trade him, right? And they're gonna draft Trevor Lawrence if they have the option. So, yet again, you're gonna thrust him to the same situation Joe Burrow's in right now. Give him a horrible O line. He's gonna be out there running for his life. He's not gonna have a a good running game either to help take the pressure off of him. And you're going to ultimately derail his career before he gets started. You know? So what do these guys do? Like, you know, what do you do? I mean, you know, you, you have a limited window and you, you're one hit away every day from not playing football no more. You know, so you have a limited time and window to make millions of dollars. So why not take your career in your own hands and allow yourself to play for somebody that's going to protect you? let's be real you know when the, when the coach with their o-line you know outside of today well i didn't say today because they won the game today so outside of today i mean today was a little bit different because they had a lot of penalties but you know the Colts, you know o-line is perfect for philip rivers because he's an all-mobile quarterback but he has great protection in the o-line thrust him into a situation like that you know even just herbert i mean just herbert's in a, in a better situation now now grant you now balaga and, and trey turner have not been healthy all year but They've been decent at keeping him from away from harm for He had not take a lot of big hits. He hadn't been sacked a whole lot. He knows that he's mobile enough and smart enough to evade and take, you know, take off when he needs to. So he hadn't been brutalized like Joe Burrow's been brutalized. So, you know, even Tua. Tua hadn't been, you know, brutalized the way Joe Burrow's been brutalized. So, but I promise you that Burrow, if he's not, if that O-line is not corrected, on top of, and then Trevor Lawrence going to the Jets, it will be the same situation. They will get brutalized and, and hit profusely and will their shelf life will be highly diminished. They'll be often injured and they'll never excel enough to be a dominant quarterback because of the organization they're in. So with that being said, I have no I have no problem if, if Joe Burrow goes and I'm like, don't draft me because I will not play. You know, <laughs> I, you know I, would, I just won't do it. I don't blame him because you you have to protect yourself and your body. You're not going to get me killed. Don't get me killed. It's not gonna happen, you know. If I, if I was, if I was him, that'd, that'd be my ideology. So, with that being said, I hope that Joe Burrow has a speedy recovery and they do something to help this man, because if not, he, he's gonna have a short shelf life and he's not gonna ever amount to anything, um, you know, because he will never be, you know, protected enough to be able to excel and and be able to take the Bengals where they need to go. So. Yeah, but that being said, I mean, just going back to some activation news, uh, Dells Bryant was activated today. I think it was a pretty good move by the Ravens because they need a, a good, constant, you know, healthy possession receiver that can hold on to the ball. You know, he had a few catches today, which was good. Sonny Michelle got activated for the, for the Patriots, so they got a nice one-two punch with him and Harris now. Um, you know, so uh, they, they, will, they will try to, you know, get that running game going in, here in the next, you know, several weeks. Um, and in the last bit of news that I want to talk about before we get into team to watch out for is a interesting fact came out of Miami when, uh, you know, Tua was largely ineffective today, uh, you know, in a game that they, you know, everybody figured they would win, you know, in large part, and they decided to bench him, uh, in lieu of Fitzpatrick again. And I, and I wonder like, like, like what really happened here? Like, you know, because some people were arguing whether or not he got hurt or, you know, you know, because he took a slight hit, but he got up and walked right on. Like, it wasn't a big deal, you know. So 
So what happened? You know, and and Brian Flores, you know, flat out said that it really was just all about the fact that he wasn't producing right. He wasn't producing well, and they feel like feel like Fitz could give them the best opportunity to win that game because they were six and three at the time, and it could have been seven and three. You know, I mean, eleven to twenty, only eighty three yards out of in three quarters. That's pretty bad. <laughs> that's pretty bad. You know, but and then Fitz comes in, and you know, and what a what a a, a quarter worth of work practically. And had was 12 18 for 117, but he did throw a pick at the end. But you know, I guess they just I don't know. I don't know. That 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 goes back into the whole idea should you even did it this early? Like, should you have you should you have you started him? You know, and he claims he's started going forward, but is every time y'all get in trouble because I still kind of fight for that wild card berth. Anytime he gets in trouble, you're gonna bench him, you know, it's gonna hurt his confidence and you're gonna put Fitzpatrick back in, trying to get yourself to the playoffs now because you can see the light. <laughs> so V. You're playing with a man's emotions. I mean, if you're gonna do it, you did it for better or worse, and you let the Broncos beat you, who shouldn't be beating anybody, you know, at this point the way they playing. But hey, man, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just funny to me that they just flip flopping like that. You know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's just rough. It's rough, bro. It's rough. But um, yeah. So I mean, we'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, hopefully he has a bounce back game next week. You know, and he could definitely you know do better than he did this week. You know, for. You know, for all his purposes, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. But that was rough. It was rough to the to, to witness because I didn't. I thought that he was trying to, you know, uh, you know, make a name for himself. But it was rough this week. So hopefully he can bounce back next week. Um, but yeah, so the team to watch out for. Let's get into that real quick before we wrap up who's in the news. Uh, the team to watch out for is the Seattle Seahawks, man. I was very impressed. Very impressed with the with the way they handled themselves uh, in Thursday night's game. Uh, the defense, you know, was was decent, not great. You know, decent, not good or great. But they they played much better in the last, you know, this game than the last four or five. You know, and I think it's contributed to the fact they're getting healthy. Jamal's trying to work himself back in. You know, Carlos Dunlap starting to come up, come on and be an integral part and why they got him as a pass rusher. You know, so the defense is playing well enough, in my opinion, that they could be better off you know, um, far more being a contender than I thought they were. Because I really thought they were going to going down to the dumps. I really thought they were going down to flames because, you know, the running game, you know, wasn't there because, you know, uh, Carson and, and Hyde were hurt. You know, and I think that they are, you know, you know, they're, they're good when they're balanced. You know, they're actually they're great when they're balanced. But when they're, when they're not balanced, you know, Russell has to play hero ball. And when he has to play hero ball, he starts to make mistakes. And that's anybody. You know, you can't keep, you know, turning the water into wine, you know, every single week. You know, when you allow him to play, you know, comfortable football, he can run. He got to rely on the run game when he needs to. He can escape and make plays when he needs to. He can get the ball down the field. It works, you know. But when you got to play hero ball, you saw in the last two weeks prior to this, it looked bad. He turned the ball over, you know, a lot. Way more than he normally does. So, I think that they're the team to watch out for now because their defense can consistently do this from now to the end of the season and into the playoffs. You know, with Russell, you know, having that balanced attack, I think I think they're going to surprise people. So let's watch out for the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. So that's going to wrap up who's in the news. Uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned for Chargers Corner. It's the Lockdown Divas Podcast.
So let's talk Chargers Corner. It's the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. All right, man. Well, uh, we got a W this week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, what can you say? I mean, honestly, it's the Jets. I mean, you know, I mean, eh, you know, it's one of those games where you know you should win, you know, talent-wise. But, you know, the way we've been playing, you know, it didn't matter who we were playing, we would find some way to lose. <laughs> and, again, it, it, injuries, you know, play a part, yes. Injuries play a part. <laughs> but coaching is the biggest problem for me. You know, I think that it really is. I mean, because I think that when it comes down to discipline, focus, execution, you know, and clock management, things of that nature, and these all of the issues that we have, I think that really they're all all that. I mean, because I've, I've I have been and you know most likely will at some point be a coach again, you know, in some facets and playing the game and coaching the game, you know whose responsibility is what, and those aspects and those things I just underscored are all on the coaching staff, you know, physical ability, you know, talent, you know, speed, you know, decision-making on the fly, that's on players. But those things I just underscored, you know, at the top of this, they're all, they're all coaching. They're all coaching points. You are responsible for those aspects and we're failing miserably at that, you know, starting with special teams. You know, we've had two block punts in <laughs> this year I mean, and I watched, I literally watched it happen, you know, from the end zone cam. And Josh Kelly just, it, he just gave up. He just didn't give any effort. I'm sorry. Like, you know, I, effort is between you and you, according to Ray Lewis. But you have to understand in your mind that, you know, as a coach, you got to understand and drill into the fact that I need effort from you, son. I need effort from you. So when you don't get effort from your players, that 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 falls back on the coaches. It falls back on the coaches because that tells me that they don't want to give that effort for you. Because they've given that effort in some facets of their career. You don't make it to the NFL without giving good effort. You don't. So you have it in you. You have it in you to be able to give effort. And Josh Kelly totally whiffed and gave up on a play and allowed his punt to be blocked. And it's the second week in a row has happened. I don't think with Josh Kelly each time. However, you know, somebody in some capacity didn't want to give the effort. They lost focus, you know. And that's that's indicative of, of what, how, how you feel from the, to the, from the coaching staff perspective. Because anybody that, you know, buys in and understands and truly understands and really wants to fight and, and try hard for their coach – you see it and you win. Those teams are winning right now. Those, you know, people, you don't have the, you don't question the people's effort on Andy Reid's team. You don't question the people on Pete Carroll's team from an effort perspective. You don't. You know, even Bruce Arians, you don't question, I mean, it's more Tom Brady, in my opinion, but you don't question the effort when you have good leadership. You don't question it, you know, and with, a, with having a rookie quarterback, you know, because you could almost get, get around it. If you had a good veteran quarterback that had the good that everybody respected had good leadership skills. But with your rookie quarterback, you, you have to rely on the coach to be the leader and be the motivator, right? And we're not getting that at all, you know, from anybody, from the coaching staff, or if it trickles down to the players. Nobody wants to give a good effort because the coaching staff isn't driving that point. You know, if you don't want to fight for me, let me know. I go find somebody that will. 
You know, we'll play with whoever that, you know, it need, needs to be understood that if you either give me effort or go sit on the sideline. You know, if you don't have that type of understanding between you and your players, then what what are you doing? What are you doing? And I think that's the issue, you know. And it's getting to the point now where you're getting that, you know, a vicious cycle of players being hurt or not wanting to play or not wanting to give good effort because you're just spinning your wheels at this point. You're clearly not going anywhere from a playoff perspective, no matter what how many games you win. It's just done. We're out of it. It's over. But, you know, you – you also have to understand too, if you don't drill into them that they're playing for their lives, you what you put on film will ultimately, if I'm here or not, ultimately playing to you playing going forward. They're not even doing that. You know? And I want to drive home a point that I realized that just, just just today, you know, looking at the the holistic view of the, the season, Trey Trainer don't want to play with the Chargers. I don't think he I don't even think he was cool with the fact that he got traded. Because the amount of time that he's taken being injured, quote unquote, and his play today and him, you know, quote unquote, being injured again today, it, it seems as if he don't want to play for the Chargers. And I, I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Now, why is that? Is it the fact that he didn't want to leave Carolina in the first place? I mean, let's be real. The coach, the new coach was really why he's gone. And they brought Russell Kuhn in, who ain't really playing for them either. So it was a bad move on their part. But we haven't got anything out of him either. He's almost like the of the same person because they both have been on the field. They just play different positions. One play left tackle, one play right guard. So what's what's really going on? You know, so that begs the question. You know, will Anthony Lynn be back next season? And I don't think he will. If 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 the if the ownership understands and the GM understands what what I understand, then you have to go in a different direction because he's lost the locker room, in my opinion. And again, with a rookie, with a, having a rookie quarterback, you can't. Do that. You have to be the, the vocal leader. You have to be the. You have to be that guy. And maybe Evelyn just it's just not his character to be completely and totally, uh, you know, polarizing like that. Maybe he isn't. You know, I mean, I like the guy, but he's not getting anything out of the Chargers team that he needs to be. I'm sure if you if you gave this team to any other coach that's proven to win in this league, there's a different result in my opinion. It's a different result if Andy Reid coaches team. You know, hell, if John Gruden coaches team in certain regards, I think he'd get a better result because he is polarizing. Let's just be real. You know, if you play for Harvard Hamill, you go forget it. You know, he don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, and, you know, even Harbaugh, you know, Harbaugh, different result. You know, even Sean McDermott in certain regards, it's a different result. You know, definitely Mike Tomlin. Oh, my God. Let Mike Tomlin be in charge of this team. Different result. Different result. So... I think going forward, what we probably need to do is hire a defensive coordinator, defensive-minded coach, get rid of Gus Bradley, get rid of Anthony Lynn and company. I think we keep Pep Hamilton because, you know, I don't think we need to change Justin Herbert's quarterback coach. Keep him. Keep the O-line coach. Get rid of Gus. You know, keep you know keep maybe some of the assistants, you know, but Anthony got to go. Gus got to go, you know, and bring in a defensive-minded head coach and bring and hire a great offensive coordinator. Get rid of Shane Snikey, too. Get rid of him. I mean, you know, I, you know, I'm on the fence with him, honestly. But bringing a, but you, this is the thing. You got to go, but based upon his ideology, I'm going underscore. You gotta, you gotta go in a different direction. Cause you got to bring in a good, well known, effective offensive coordinator. Because defensive coach, defensive minded head coaches need great offensive coordinators in order to be successful. That's just it. Like look at Bill Belichick. 
he needs, you know, Josh McDaniels in order to get things done offensively for him because he's defensive-minded. He's not a great offensive mind. He's just not. And I can tell you from personal experience, like being a defensive coordinator, being a defensive player, you're, you are not, as much as you can try, you are not, if you're not offensive-minded, it just don't click enough for you to be really successful. I would never, ever try to be an offensive anything if I, in coaching, ever, ever in life. I've all I've known is defense. I played defense all my life and playing the book sport and I've coached all my life. So I don't know anything about offense. All I, th- all I know is how to figure out how to stop what you're trying to do. That's what I know how to do. So you need a good, strong offensive mind that's going to be able to run your offense well and get Justin Herbert to the next level. So that's what they should do. That's what they should do. You know, but getting back to the game itself, I mean, <laughs> we, boy, we we tried again to get away. But the Jets, you know, somebody made a call from the front office and Jets like, look, whatever y'all do, you do not win this game. Because they had a chance. We gave them prime opportunities, prime opportunities. And again, another miscue, Anthony Lynn didn't challenge a call and they get into the game. And we we, we should have, we probably would have ended the game if we won the challenge and he didn't, he didn't throw the flag. Yet again, decision-making from the coaching staff, yet again. So that was problem one, you know, but they still, you gave them a chance, you know, but they just had a miscue at the end and they, you know, they gave the ball back. But, you know, they we had a chance to lose to the Jets. I mean, what does that say? That says a lot, I mean, from a production standpoint and it's the team overall's morale. So you get the Bills coming here next week, woo-wee. Ooh, we, oh man, uh, it's, it's going to be a rough game. I believe they're coming off a of bye week. So they had two weeks to prepare for our lackluster <laughs> production. So, you know, and playing that defense, man, I just it's going to be rough adjusting, man. I just hope that, you know, he's, you know, poised enough to, you know, do as much as he can. That's all I'm asking for, man, at this point. Just do as much as you can. You know, just help yourself, you know, get keep getting your experience and keep yourself, protect yourself and just, you know, go ahead and, and, you know, put your numbers up as best as you can. You know, Keenan having a great year. You know, I'll give him credit for that. Keenan, Hunter Henry started coming along a little bit. I got Mike Williams the ball today a little bit. Caleb Balaj run the ball decent. You know, not well, but decent. You know, we not run the ball well, period, because, you know, O-line is just, it's just in flux. There's never no cohesion because it's a different O-line every week. And even in game, like, you start with one O-line at the beginning of the game, and then you end with a whole different one. You know, you start with Trey Turner and Brian Block on the right side. You end up with uh, Trey Pipkin and 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 a couple of practice squad players. I can't even think of the guy's name, Tomo or somebody like that. You know, Mazda, one of those guys. You know, so it's just wild. You know, so it's hard to get, you know, cohesion and, and run the ball well when you had that type of revolving door, you know, with O-line. But overall, man. I think we're gonna lose to the Bills. So I'm gonna say it now. You know, I mean, it's not looking good. If we if we had a dogfight with the Jets, although we probably would play better against the Bills because we play up and down who we playing, quote unquote. You know, but um, you know, I just hope that Justin stays you know safe and doesn't have you know those issues. Like you know, you know, hope they can protect him enough and keep him away from that Bills pass rush. And um, you know, we can just you know stay safe and try to keep as healthy as possible going into the offseason. But, you know, looking towards the offseason, man, I think we need to address the coaching staff, number one, start there. And then bring in, bring in another guy or bring in another guys that will hopefully, you know, try to bring in a different culture in here. That's the biggest thing, number one. Two, from a personnel standpoint, I think you should trade Trey Turner. 
That's a bold take. I'm gonna say. I don't think he wants to be here. I could just, you can just. I'm good. Oh, I'm good from reading people and body language and looking at him today. I they got a good. I got a good close up look at him in the game today. He don't want to play with the Chargers. I don't think he, I would trade him because it's not. There's no dead money involved in his situation because he got traded. So I would trade him now. I would trade him and try to get somebody else to fill his spot. And I would go after uh, at least one free agent uh, O lineman and draft another with that early pick um, and address the secondary. Because I think Casey Hayward and, and Chris Harris, who's hopefully coming back this week, will they're not get any younger. They're in their 30s. So we need somebody that's going to be able to, you know, because this is where we've gone wrong in the past. We've drafted good guys, but we didn't have anybody to mentor them from a veteran leadership perspective. So while Casey and Chris are there, they can teach a guy like a Sertan or somebody like that that's going to be a good, solid defensive back, you know, overall in the league. They can they can be mentored by them while they're here, and that way we could get good production out of this new guy, young guy when they're gone. So the secondary needs to be addressed, the O line needs to be addressed, and then we can run it back. But get Derwin back, you know. Hopefully fix this O line finally first, you know, finally for good. You know, get a good solid left tackle. That's what we need. Just our left tackle, another good interior guard, and I think we can do we can do business. Let Dan resign Dan Finney, resign Forrest Lamp. Let them be the center and guard on the left side, and we can do we can do business. Keep Balaga, of course. Balaga is making decent money. He's doing decent. He stays healthy. We're fine. You know, pay Hunter Henry, pay Keenan, and let's go. Let's go to back. Let's go back to work, boys. So, uh, you know, like I said, we'll we'll go back over next week's game, see how we did against the Bills, and uh, we'll we'll see where Justin Herbert's chances are of being rookie of the year. I think with Joe Burrow's going down, I think it's pretty much a wrap. Them being a rookie of the year, to be honest with you. As long as he does stay healthy and he doesn't get hurt, and I'm praying that he does not get hurt. I'm praying he doesn't. But um, this has been Charles Corner. Stay tuned for Lakers Locker Room. Lakers Locker Room is Locked on Eagles Podcast. Welcome back to the home of the 2020 NBA champion, the Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back to the Lakers locker room. I am proud to bring you back this segment. It's been off for a few weeks, of course. You know, we've been in offseason. The Lakers won a title uh, in October. But we're back, man. We're starting to uh, get geared up for the next season. It's a quick turnaround. I've talked about this already in length and, uh, in the previous segments. But, um, yeah, we're going to start by December 22nd. You know, camp's going to start about 10 days or so before that. Um, give or take, you know, people are going to uh, start to stagger the camps. So of course, you know, depending on who, what team you are and how you're going to do things. Um, everybody has their own right to run their own business the way they see fit, of course. But, um, but yeah, um, we've been a lot of things going on, man. A lot of things going on. Oh, man. Rob Palenka, man. Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka. He gets a standing ovation. He does. I did not for the life of me. Like I was expecting moderate moves. You know, the Sergio Baca thing was kind of lingering around there. I was like, that might happen. You know, the 
you know, the whole uh, getting, you know, Bogdanovich, you know, was lingering a little bit. Oh, man, maybe, maybe not. But I think we're fine. Like, you know what I'm saying? Getting Surge or getting that one big piece, you know, to go back and, and then kind of run it back with this same similar roster, bring back KCP, you know, bring back Avery Bradley, you know, do those things, and we're going to be all right. We're going to run it back with, a, you know, mostly the same guys. And I was kind of questioning whether or not Rondo was going to come back. You know, but I was wanting him to come back because I like his leadership and his playmaking ability, especially in the playoffs, man. Playoff round, I was a different guy. But, and, you know, I was wondering, you know, how do we want to, you know, you know, revamp the roster? And <laughs> boy, was I blown away. I was blown away by what Rob Palenka did, man. I, <laughs> he gets the second of the year for the, for the offseason right now. He does. <laughs> you know, because he, 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 he traded for Dennis Schroeder. That was one. I said, like, that's great. We good. I, I, that's all I need. I'm fine. Bring back KCP. Bring back Rondo. Bring back Dwight. You know, we good. They're like, nah, 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 nah. I'm going to do you one better than that. I'm going to give you one better than that. I'm going I'm, to I'm unfortunately let Rondo walk. You know, I, and I appreciate Rondo what he did. Let Dwight walk. Appreciate what Dwight did. They both, you know, one is at the Hawks, one is at the Texas. Appreciate what they did for the franchise. But I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to go gout and get Montrezl Harold. Like what? Like like what? <laughs> I'm like, bro, you got Montrezl Harold off the Clippers, who were you know avid rivals, and they was like it was serious beef. Like y'all over here, we over here, you know, we might be in the basement, we might be on the upper level, but regardless, we ain't cool. Montrezl's like, you know what? Y'all so dysfunctional in that locker room in the Clippers. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to go upstairs and go with the winners. And he decided that you wanted to come over to the Lakers and be part of a dynasty. I'm like, bro, I did not see that coming at all. I did not. I did not. Then he turned around and got Wesley Matthews. I'm like, another wing guy, another good defender, another person that can shoot the three better, younger than Danny Green, right? I mean, great pickup. Great pickup. Great pickup. I'm like, oh, oh man, so what does this mean? Because I need kids to peek back. Like, I listen, I, I, I was, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it now, and I'm going to say it, I might say it again, that I was very, very off and out on KCP when he first got here. He slowly now, very slowly, but surely grew on me and to the point where I feel like he needs to be a Laker, right? So I'm like, we got to get KCP back. How, how can we figure out how to get KCP back? We need him because Rondo's gone. You know what I'm saying? You know, Dwight out, you know, uh, you know, we still got JaVale. It's, it's, you know, I'm like, we need, we need KCP back. He, we need, a, we need that guy. Cause he was, he was a different animal too in the playoffs. Like, you know, was, was, you know, on top of Rondo being good in the playoffs, man, KCP was just that much better, bro. In key situations. And I'm like, if you him and K, him and Shorter could play off each other, bro, that'd be great. And I'm like, okay, KCP signed back for three years. Yes. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Now everybody, pre, you know, everybody pretty much expect Anthony Davis to resign. He's just trying to make sure all the money worked out and he can get his money as well. Not really worried about that. <laughs> but, but the, but the, but the trick was that they, at the eleventh hour on like on Sunday afternoon, they pulled off the idea of getting Marcus Saul to sign. What? Marcus Saul, bro. Marcus Saul. Now everybody's saying he's washed. You know, what I'm saying he's getting older. You know, this and the third, but you just, I mean, let's look at it like he, that's not look like two years ago. He wasn't an uh, integral part in that championship run that the, the Raptors had. Let's just be real. He can shoot the three decent, you know, which is surprisingly decent. You know, he's a big body, you know, can defend the paint. 
You know, I mean, just much like Powell, he don't can't jump over. He ain't real athletic jumping wise, but he just he's a really big body. You know, so it's to me, you know, because we had to let Javel go, we had to, we traded Javel to Cleveland, right? So we had to let him go to free up the money. But I would say, if you look at it from a one to one perspective, like Mark is a better scorer, obviously, than than, than Javel is. Javel is just dunking, alley ooping, put back type and rebounding kind of guy. Mark could do much do much more more for us than than Javel could on the, on top of defending the rim, you know. So that's a great move, you know. For, if you're gonna let Javel go, Dwight's gone, you know. I mean, yeah, we're a little we're a little, I guess you can say, smaller in stature, but we're hell yeah, your damn point guard point forward is six eight six nine, you know. It's not, eh, eh, you know, so. You know, just looking at the roster, man, I mean, you, we running it back with even better on paper roster than we were in the beginning. Still got Caruso, got Weston Matthews now, got Dennis Schroeder in the backcourt, and got KCP in the backcourt. So you're looking at it like, out of all those, you know, Caruso probably the, you know, it was just, which is kind of interesting, but, you know, he's the, probably the one person that doesn't shoot the three at a high clip, but he can still shoot it. Dennis and Wesley and KCP can shoot the three with a high clip. Really good backcourt. Court, you got AD, you got LeBron, you got Kuzma, you got Montrez, you got Gasol, you got uh, Costas Antetokounmpo, which is, which is uh, Giannis's brother, and you got uh, Devontae Cope. And then they probably bring in uh, Talon Horton Tucker back as well. So I like it, man. <laughs> I like it. I like it, man. The roster looking good. And they still got rumors out there that they may sign a trade for for Bogdanovich because he signed an office sheet with Atlanta. But how's that gonna work? You know, are they gonna trade Kyle Kuzma? You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't want to really let anybody else go looking at his roster. To be honest with you, but they trade Kyle Kuzma for Bogdanovich, man. Hey man, hang the banner. <laughs> they trade for Bogdanovich. We stay healthy. Hang the banner. Let's just be real. Let's just be real. You know. Now again, Serge Ibaka went over to the to the to the Clippers and all that good stuff. But listen, hang the banner. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. Like, I mean, with the shift, the shift in the dynamics been made in the in the in the West because everybody says the Clippers probably the closest thing to get they can rock with us. Looking at their roster, looking at our roster, especially if we get Bardanovich, man, hang the banner. <laughs> Let's be real. Cause let's be real, the Celtics are weakens a tad bit. You know, they did, I think he got a little bit better by getting Avery Bradley. But you know, they're the top two teams. Uh, if Brooklyn not going to contend with them, I think that they will. In my opinion, I think they will. If they keep the team the way it is. But ain't the battle. <laughs> that's how I feel. I mean, that's how I feel, bro. I'm I'm just giddy right now. Don't get don't 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 take don't take me at heart. I'm just giddy right now. I'm just very impressed by how Rob Linger did this year's all season, man. You know, he didn't sit on his laurels because most people say, you know, sit back. They just kick their feet up, smoke their cigar. I'm like, all right, we're going to run it back with the same boys. We're going to get it done again. No problem. Rob was like, nah, nah, we're going we're gonna to retool and get it and make it better for the next run. So y'all can't sit back and think y'all know exactly what y'all going to get this season. So, man, that's all that I can't. I can't wait. I can't wait basketball season to start, man. The Charters suck right now, so I'm ready for basketball. Let's get it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it, man. I'm happy. So. Hey man, so we said we're gonna keep bringing back the locker room. We're gonna start talking about how the things check out as the season starts to unfold and they start to get more news about how they're gonna do the game and stuff like that and the schedule and stuff like that. We're gonna talk about it more, you know. But I definitely wanted to give this a deep in-depth look about how the Lakers gonna look and how they're gonna be featured this year and how we're gonna, you know, try to repeat and and, and uh defend this title. So I'm liking it, man. I'm liking it, man. I appreciate everybody's, you know, support about this, man. But uh I'm looking at it and I'm loving it, man. It's great.
So uh, we're going to get to the fourth quarter closeout, man. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. to the fourth quarter closeouts, the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Appreciate everybody uh, listening to the podcast to this uh, last segment. I uh, appreciate everybody's support. Um, as always, we go live at 10 a.m. every Tuesday on Spotify and YouTube, Google Podcasts, and other podcast genres, Anchor alike. Uh, also, check out our weekly recaps on Fridays. It's 11 a.m. We also go uh, live with our weekly picks at 11 a.m. on Sunday. So check those out. Uh, <laughs> we had a rough one this week, so definitely be looking forward to the recap and picks this week. So we had a rough one. Uh, but we're going to get into these awards, man. We're going to talk about uh, Lockdown Defender of the Week, uh, Breakout Play of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week. So let's uh, let's talk about it. All right, all right, all right. So Breakout Players of the Week, I mean, I have to go with my guys. Um, and I was playing it away. You know, Justin Herbert had a massive game again today. Um, to me, you know, runaway favorite for Rookie of the Year at this point, especially with Joe Burrs going down, unfortunately. Praise to Joe Burrow, man. Uh, he had a really nasty knee injury. And I hope he has a healthy and speedy recovery and comes back as healthy and as dominant as possible when he gets back on the field. Um, but it's really unfortunate that he really messed his knee up really bad. We're talking tore MCL, tore ACL, and uh, structural damage. So eerie enough, it was the same injury Carson Palmer had years ago and what they have in common. But, um, but yeah, so breakout player of the week is Justin Herbert this week. He had 366 yards um, through the air, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions with an uh, 89.0 QBR. Now, some uh, performers this week, passing-wise, had a little bit better passing numbers. Um, you know, everybody pretty much had three touchdowns or less um, this week, but the the out the glaring difference in Justin Herbert's performance versus others that some, some lost, uh, Aaron Rodgers and others, some lost their games, and some threw more than one pick or more. They threw one interception or more. So the fact that he stayed clean gave him the award this week for breakout player of the week. And also his running mate, Keenan Allen, he had 16 touches on 19 targets for 145 yards on the touchdown. So, yeah, he got it done this week as well. Um, there were nobody surpassed that number from a receiving perspective. And uh, it was a day of passing, I tell you, man. It was a day of passing because uh, nobody ran the ball well except for Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. Because <laughs> Del- Derrick Henry this week had 28 carries with 133 and a rushing touchdown. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the most part, Dalvin had 115 yards or so on the ground as well. But a lot of people didn't run the ball well this week. You know, they did a little bit by running by committee. Quarterback had a bunch of yards. You know, running back had 40, 50 yards. But nobody had a good game on the ground except for Derrick Henry Dalvin Cook. Interesting. That might play in a part, you know, coming down the stretch when teams are consistent and be able to run the ball versus not being able to run the ball in these cold weather games. So we'll see how it goes. So for lockdown the field of the week, it was interesting, man. It was tough. Because uh, we had some good performances this week. Von Bell put in a good performance. Justin Reed put in a good performance. Uh, Brian Burns even put in a good performance for the Panthers. But I had to go with these stat stuffers, man. Uh, Cam Jordan and Olivier Vernon, man. Um, they didn't have a whole lot of tackles. I mean, they're D-linemen, so I mean, they don't get a lot of love from a tackle perspective, but they were efficient. <laughs> efficient as hell. I mean, we're talking four tackles, four solos for Cam Jordan, three sacks, three tackles for loss, and three QB hits. And Olivier Vernon wouldn't have to be outdone. And he had five tackles, four solos, three sacks, three and a half tackles for loss, a pass breakup, and three quarterback hits. So, yeah, man, the boys were balling this week, man. The Browns defense and the Saints defense were balling out of control. They were doing the thing. 
And they were doing the thing, man. So I definitely give them shots out for being breakout player this week and lockdown defender of the week. <laughs> now on the big dummy of the week. And I've been talking about this at length in my podcast. So if you've been an avid listener up to this point, you understand that I've been concerned about Joe Burrows from the start, from the very first game, because I got to watch him very, very up and close to personal for his very first game as the NFL starter against the Chargers when they played week one. Now, you know, he's a little bit of a rocky start in the first half, but the second half was was great. You know, to my much to my dismay, it was great. And then since then, he's been great despite the fact that he's been being hit and pressured way too often, way too often. And I've been saying it for quite a few many weeks and early on in his career about him being hit so often and him shortening his career by week by week because they didn't have a solid, successful O-line to put around him enough to the point where he could be successful and not take this punishment early. And what happened to this week? He goes down with a ferocious knee injury. I mean, I mean, Horrific. I mean, I mean, this this horrible knee injury, ACL tear, MCL tear, damage to his knee. I mean, like I said, he had the same injury caused Palmer had, and he uh, he's way more mobile than Carson Palmer ever was, but that's going to hinder him, you know. And I feel like that's a year, we're at least a, at least a year recovery. So we're only in in, in the November. So you talking about he's not coming back till the week 11, 12 of next season. So at that point, it's to me is a wash. You can't put him back out there, and you don't want to rush him back so early because he might end up with overcompensating injury, kind of like Clay Thompson had, you know, with this uh, Achilles tear. So you force him back in, and quite frankly, honestly, if I was Joe Burrows, I would tell him like, in no uncertain terms that if, if I come back to the same O line that I came, I got hurt in, I don't want to play. I don't want to play. And I and that should put the Jets on notice too, because Trevor Lawrence, if I'm you, I would not. Unless they guarantee you having success from an O-line perspective in signing and free agency in the draft, I would not, under no circumstances, play for this organization. Because you got to protect yourself. You don't have the limit. You don't have the longevity that Tom Brady and people have had in the past, where you can have twenty years and maybe have one, you know, significant injury in your whole career. And it's not working that way anymore. Pass rushes are getting bigger, faster, stronger. You know. It's, you're going to take hits if you don't have solid O-lines. You know, only person that's really a pocket passer that's got a good O-line is Drew Brees, is Tom Brady, is Phillip Rivers. They, they can't move from a, a running perspective. It, but if you think about it, they're the only ones, and they all have s- seriously solid O-lines. Everybody else has a decent O-line, and they have mobile quarterbacks. I mean, let's look at let's look at every other team that has a success. Good. If you don't have a super solid O-line, you have a mobile quarterback because you have to be able to move and get away and not be able to take the punishment that a lot of these non-mobile quarterbacks would take if they don't have good O-lines. So Tom Brady knew what he was doing when he left New England. He said, I got to get out of here and go to a situation where I know I'm going to be protected. That's why he never went, thought it twice about the Chargers in the other organization because he knew that the O-line wasn't, wasn't, it was shaky at best. So he knew what he was doing. So Joe Burrow, I, I, I pray that you recover fast. Trevor Lawrence, beware. And the Bengals front office organization, you get the big dummy of the week award for not getting any O-linemen or a significant uh, set of tackles enough to protect Joe Burrows because you knew that he was going to be your number one pick for months. And you didn't do anything to uh, understand that you needed to protect this kid. 
He's your franchise. He's your friend. He could be your quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. And you didn't think twice about the fact that you needed at least two good booking tackles. You got to move heaven and earth to get that in order to protect this kid, protect your franchise if you want to be successful. But here's the problem with bad organizations. There's a problem with bad organizations because they don't think that clear enough to understand that you got to do whatever you have to do. Sell whatever you got to do in order to protect your, 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 your franchise quarterback. If you don't do that, he's going to one, not want to play or two, get hurt and never be on the field. And three, go somewhere else. And you lost out anyway. You, you did all those losing, did all that losing to get the number one pick and you can't protect him. Now he's going to be out for a whole year. So the Bengals front office for being incompetent in, in your personnel, you get the big dummy, big dummy of the week award. You big dummy. So that's going to wrap it up, man. I appreciate everybody coming through and uh, listening to me this time. Like as always, we'll be back next Tuesday with some more news and views. Um, stay tuned. We got a new segment coming up uh, that's going to go live on Twitch soon. Um, so stay tuned for that. I'm just going to rumor that for now. I'm not going to break the news just yet. But we're looking to have something new and improved uh, from a sports radio perspective. So look out for that. So in the meantime, between time, I appreciate everybody's views and I appreciate everybody's support. As always, like, comment, and subscribe, and I'll see you on the next one. I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.